Ready to form Voltron! This is a job for Superman. Power Rangers! Right away, Michael. Autobots, transform! By the power of Grayskull! For the honor of Grayskull! I'm the Doctor. Everybody and welcome to the episode 41 of Charlie's Geekcast. I am your host, Charlie Neymar, and once again, we are returning to that bygone era of the 1970s to look at another classic issue of Superman. But first, I'm going to play a couple promos uh, to get us started. Charlie's Geekcast will return after these promos. Well, did you miss me? Just here to tell you that Man's Green Podcast is returning soon with new episodes, weekly episodes. With Super Friends and the Christopher Reeve movies behind me, we head into the late 1980s with the Ruby Spear Super Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings in a single bound. Superman! Intercut with episode of Superboy! That's right, Ruby's Bear Superman and the Adventures of Superboy coming soon to the Man of Steam podcast at www.com. your favorite shows preempted, but look what you're getting instead. The Cast brings you Justice League Season 2. Woo! Back in business. The Justice League faces their greatest foe. This is a chance to rid ourselves of the League once and for all. Dark Side. Brainiac. Dr. Destiny. Lex Luthor. Amazo. Vandal Savage. Eclipso. The Joker. Harley Quinn. The Royal Flush Gang. The Secret Society of Supervillains. And themselves? Dale Ucast Season 2, available on iTunes and Apple Podcasts and at firewaterpodcast.com. Always have to be the hero, don't you? Right back at you. We now return to Charlie's Geekcast. Rocketed as a baby from the exploding planet Krypton, Kal-El grew to manhood on Earth, whose yellow sun and lighter gravity gave him fantastic superpowers. In the city of Metropolis, he's known as mild-mannered TV newsman Clark Kent, but battles evil all over Earth and beyond as Superman. Alright, this time we've got a single part story, but it's a full 
book-length adventure. And this time we're going to be looking at Superman number 274, which had a cover date of April 1974 and an on-sale date of around January 17, 1974, and a cover price of two shiny dimes. Actually, they probably could have been dull dimes, as long as they were dimes. Or 20 pennies or four nickels. You know, any way you get to 20 cents. Anyway, the title of this episode, of this episode, the title of this comic is Protectors of Earth, Inc., written by Elliot S. Magan, penciled by Kurt Swan, inked by Vince Coletta, and edited by Julius Schwartz. Our story begins with Clark Kent on hand for the taping of the Johnny Nevada Show, hoping to score an interview with, with Johnny's guest, the eccentric and elusive author Wade Halibut Jr., Fortunately for Clark, Wade just happens to be working on a novel about a young TV reporter who, disco- who discovers a doomsday device. And wouldn't you know it, Clark matches Wade's character perfectly. Uh, you know, other than the superhero part. So after the taping, the normally elusive author is all too happy to set up an interview for next Wednesday at noon with Clark. Meanwhile, at Star Labs, a scientist named David Trump, who is described as young despite his gray hair and receding hairline, Reminisces about the time he met Superman to work together on a space tunnel project that would greatly reduce the travel time between any two objects in space. Because it would be a dangerous thing in the wrong hands, Superman gave him a signal watch in case he was ever in trouble. This would be helpful if the two men following him didn't manage to chloroform him before he could activate it. Fortunately, when he comes to sometime later, he is able to activate it, bringing Superman to him. However, this takes a lot longer than you might think, uh, because the baddies have time to introduce themselves as an all-powerful syndicate known as the Protectors of Earth Incorporated. Their mission is to obtain super-secret weapons from all over the world and then charge various nations protection money to ensure that the POE don't activate any of those weapons. Finally, Superman traces the watch signal to the new Monroe Sports Arena. Since the room he's looking for is lined with lead, he decides to crash in, but is still not quick enough for the protection boss to turn around and press a button which drops the whole room down to the football field below. Or sports field. I, it is a sports arena, not necessarily football, so forget I said that part. Anyway, the field is currently being used as a weapons testing range. Quickly, Superman is trapped inside of an energy cage created by weapons disguised as footballs. Then, two tennis players, quote-unquote, serve up, serve up explosive tennis balls his way. The balls are able to enter the cage, but it isn't until the explosion causes one of his arms to disappear that Superman realizes that he can vibrate his way back out. Now free, Superman makes short work of the bad guys and the weapons. While the FBI handle the POE, Superman flies Trump to the Erno Chemical Company, which is secretly a Star Labs facility. The next day, after the 6 o'clock news, Clark and Steve Lombard head home on a bus. But the, but on the bus, Clark is given plans for a doomsday weapon by a stranger, who then disembarks at the next stop before Clark can question him. Using his x-ray vision, Clark sees that he hasn't actually been given any planes, and supervision reveals that the stranger is actually Wade Halibut Jr. in disguise. Unfortunately, he also sees Halibut getting kidnapped after being overheard in the bus, which also prevents him from noticing another stranger pouring something into his hair. Anyway, Clark uses super breath and super suction 
to cause the bus key to turn off and on, which causes a backfire that provides Tim and Clark with a reason to leave the bus, shutting the bus door before the second stranger could catch up with him. After a quick change of clothes, Superman rescues Halibut and takes his would-be kidnapper to jail before heading out to Erno Chemical Company to meet up with Dr. Trump. Which is weird to say in an era where the president is that same name. Anyway, elsewhere in the city, while the second stranger failed to keep track of Clark, he does reveal that the stuff he sprinkled in Clark's hair was radioactive particles, which will allow him to track down Clark wherever he goes. Back at Erno, Trump gives Superman the space tunnel's triggering device. Superman needs to keep it completely still to prevent any disasters while Trump programs it. However, our second stranger, and an accomplice, bust in and start messing with what they think is a Superman statue. Trump tries to prevent them from harming the device, but all this does is anger the baddies who threaten to shoot him. Having seen enough, Superman leaps into action, taking out both baddies and trashing their guns. However, in the process of saving the professor, the trigger hits the ground, opening up the space tunnel. Since the tunnel li is linking Earth to just a random empty spot in space, Trump tells Superman that the tunnel will act as a monstrous vacuum, capable of sucking the entire planet into space. Refusing to lose another planet like he once lost Krypton, Superman plugs up the hole with his body, freeing, feeling himself being stretched across the cosmos. Finally, the hole begins to close up and Superman just barely is able to pull his whole body back through before it closes, and he collapses due to the strain on the floor. Soon regaining consciousness, Superman crushes the trigger and leaves, only to quickly return as Clark to interview Trump. Sometime later, Clark hosts a show called To the People, where he interviews Halibut. The author reveals that he was having trouble writing his book, so he tried to make Clark believe that what happened in the book was actually happening to him. But it all got botched up. He does know the ending though. See, Superman prevented the real Doomsday Weapon from destroying the planet, but since Superman is not a character in the book, Halibut's book was going to end with the Earth being destroyed. Simple, right? And with that, spoiler for the ending of his book that hasn't been finished yet, we end our story. Alright, so let's look at the book. Uh, first off, uh, this cover is actually pretty cool. Some of the writing is plain, but it's a Nick Carty cover with him literally being pulled towards the earth. He's being stretched. Uh, he's pleading with the reader to help him because he can't la hang on much longer. And in the process, he's grabbing the U in Superman and crushing it. So that's kind of cool. There's He's interacting with the logo. Uh, he's got the stretch thing going on. It looks more like, I don't know, Plastic Man than Superman here. And uh, you can see where it looks like it's already causing a bunch of damage on Earth because it looks like he's being sucked into this huge... Well, actually, it looks like a chasm that kind of looks like butt cheeks put together. I don't know. Put together? Usually they are... Per anyway, I'm not going to go into that. Hey, let's keep going. Uh, let's see, we have our splash page, and after that, we have the Johnny Nevada Show. Now, the Johnny Nevada Show is basically the Superman comics version of The Tonight Show, which at this point was being hosted by Johnny Carson. Carson City is the capital of Nevada, hence we have Johnny Nevada. Uh, now, later on, they're going to make it a little more obvious. Uh, I think this might be the first time we've seen Johnny Nevada. 
uh, and we don't actually see him very much. But uh, next time we see him, he's looking a lot closer to the Johnny Carson mold. With uh, by this point, Johnny Carson was graying, and his ha- his hair was graying, so he'll have the long the his you know seventies longer wavy hair with some of the graying coming in, and he'll make the same kind of jokes like uh, you know how hot is it and stuff like that. Now, page three, we do see the uh, that Halibut believes that Clark would be perfect. However, this part you almost forget about by the time you get to it because you don't see what ha- what the next part of this plot for several more pages. All right, page four. Now, I understand the time that this is from, so I'm kind of giving it a pass, but it's funny. Now, we first see this Dr. Trump. Uh, he's a nervous young scientist, and like I said, he's... Uh, very much uh, got a receding hairline, and his hair is all colored gray, so I don't know how he's young. He also, well, his face itself doesn't really look young either. So somewhere there was a mishap on the on, between the writing and the art. Also, the first panel we see him in, he actually has thought bubbles that would make sense uh, if you were actually walking around. He's like, those two men, are they following me, or am I imagining it? No, they they wouldn't try anything in broad daylight. But then he goes into exposition mode. And I've got reason to be nervous. I'll never forget that day a few weeks ago at Star Labs when blah, 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 and it keeps going. Yeah, because if I don't think he'd be going into this if, it, if, you know, if he was really thinking. I know this is a comics cliche, but still, uh, I mean, I know you have to have the flashback, but it's just kind of, eh. it pulled me out of the story for just a minute. Because he's literally thinking at the reader. I do like the idea of this space tunnel. I'm not sure exactly how it's gonna supposed to. Uh, I mean, they don't really explain how it's supposed to work as far as shortening the uh, travel time. It just looks like it's a connection point between any two places in space. Uh, and all they mention is, you know, maybe it doesn't slow, uh, make it a faster travel time. I don't know. Uh, they just say it's uh, going from Earth to Mars would be as easy as traveling through a subway tunnel from one station to another. I took that as meaning, you know, it would speed things up, but maybe it's just a connecting point. I don't know. In any event, he doesn't realize that this could be a bad uh, a problem in bad people's hands. Which leaves me confused, because whether he's young or old, I would imagine he knows that there are people that would use that to be trouble. This is the 70s. People were getting woke by this point. Anyway, now, page five, we do have one of those Clark scenes at WGBS. Morgan Edge is actually looking for Clark, but Clark hears the signal watch, so he runs off and completely ignoring Edge. So Edge thinks it has something to do with the soundproof ceiling he had installed last month, and I'm not sure if he just doesn't understand how soundproofing works or not, but... uh, that would mean that you wouldn't hear anything from outside the room. I don't think it would prevent Clark from actually being able to hear Edge in the hallway. So it doesn't work too well. However, I will say this is a, this is pretty good for a, for a Kurt Swan layout. The third panel of the page actually kind of is upside down L-shaped. Uh, and it stretches back to the left side of the page and Clark the image of Clark actually stretches actually overlaps the second panel a bit 
also you see a reflection in his glasses where he's actually seeing Edge. So he saw Edge and left, which probably isn't a good thing. Anyway, uh, page six, the the head guy of this protector Protectors of Earth Inc. He looks like a very one of those very stock bad guys. I I don't know that he it would I wouldn't say he looks like the Godfather, but just by the look of him. He looks like he's probably talking like them. Just so you, just just so that you know who you, you're not dealing with the images. We are a branch of an all-powerful syndicate known as the Protectors of Earth Incorporated. We managed to obtain super-secret weapons from all over the world and charge the various nations a fee for, for protection. You know, but imagine that with marbles in my mouth. It, yeah, just it, he just looks like that kind of guy. I'm not okay. Page seven. I'm not sure how this energy cage works. So we have four different football players, in fully decked out in football gear, all football quarterback numbers. They all throw their footballs, and somehow they make a square above Superman that forms like a cube cage around him. It's kind of interesting. Superman can't bust out, and with the tennis balls coming through. It causes an explosion, and he completely loses an arm, but he can still feel it. So he that's how he figures out the whole vibration thing. Fortunately, he gets it just in time because uh, I didn't mention it in the notes, but a baseball player is sending I, what I'm guessing is another explosive ball into the cage, probably aimed at Superman. Now, if the explosion from the tennis balls causes Superman's arm to disappear... Wouldn't this just make Superman disappear and possibly get him out of the cage sooner? I'm not sure. In any event, he vibrates, so the uh, ball kind of passes right through him and the cage. And so we get up to page 9, and Superman quickly takes care of the other bad guys who are basketball players. I'm not sure what they were going to do. And uh, then quickly destroys everything. And it looks like, I mean, this is a nice little wrap-up to the story on page 9. And even the caption says, listen, even though this is a comic book where you can't listen. This story could have quietly ended here, except for a monkey wrench in the works named Wade Halibut Jr. The thing is, the Wade Halibut Jr. part only takes up two pages, three pages, four. Okay, hold on. Four pages plus a two page ad. So that could have been taken care of pretty quick. And then, you know, we technically didn't need the rest of the story. And you could have ended it on a thirteen as a thirteen pager. Moving right along, okay. So Superman's supposed to stay as still as a statue, and I understand why he's doing it. He knows that this could be very dangerous, and he knows that he doesn't want to let anything happen to this device. So he stays still. The only reason he moves is because uh, Professor Trump or Doctor Trump or whatever uh, is about to get shot. Unfortunately, now sometimes he could do this where he moves so fast that he probably could have caught the device before it hit the ground. But, you know, rush forward, grab the gun, get back to the control or something like that. Uh, But this time he lets it hit the ground. He's kind of moving slow this issue for some reason. Now, I like the artwork of this. You've got on on page 18, you've got on the two sides of the page, 
you see Superman being pulled and stretched through the hole in space. And in the middle, you've got Trump with his hair disheveled telling you exactly what's happening. And, you know, with all the exclamation points, it sounds incredible. I mean, he's like, by all this holy, Superman has hurled himself against the entrance to the space tunnel. The suction power is beyond belief. He'll be the first to be pulled out into space, followed by the entire Earth. He's plugging it up. Like that little boy with a finger in the dike to keep the world from plunging out into space. But he'll never be able to keep it up long enough. He's breaking the very laws of nature to save the Earth. Perhaps at the cost of his own life. He's doing it. The hole is closing up. He's managed to keep the Earth from being vacuumed into deep space. It's a miracle. So, I mean, it's that's pretty cool. I like the way they did that. And then, of course, he passes out because that, that's some pretty unbearable strain. Uh, and then he wakes up and asks how long the tunnel was open because it felt like centuries. It turns out it was only 10 seconds. And then he just leaves. Superman apparently crushes the device uh, as almost as an afterthought and just walks out. Now, he comes back as Clark. And I don't know if at this point he realizes he had the stuff in his hair or what. Uh, but it kind of takes care of the secret identity problem because our second stranger figures out that uh, Clark was roaming the halls and that's why they ended up showing up. Not not that they were really thinking that Superman was Clark, but it does protect the secret identity because, you know, everyone always goes there with their mind. Anyway, we don't see anything about any arrests or anything like that or what happens with the doctor. Or if he's going to continue trying to work on this. Uh, we just move right along to Clark's interview with Halibut. Where he spoils the ending of the book. Why would you even bother to purchase the thing now? The Earth's going to be destroyed. You know the, the you know it's not going to have a good ending. You don't really need to spend whatever it's going to cost. Halibut is here on... Uh, you know, I don't know if this is national television. Local television, at any rate. Spoiling the end of his book. But I'm guessing this is a network thing, so it might actually be a national broadcast. So anyway, uh, that's how the story ends. Uh, I thought I'd take a quick look at the ads, since we're only looking at one book this time. I figured, eh, I could take a look at some of the ads. Ads in these old comics are actually fun to look at sometimes, because you can see how much things have changed and how much they've literally stayed the same. So we go back to the inside cover and we have uh, Revel model kits and they ha they're having a sweepstakes. And grand prize is a $5,000 scholarship. You could also win one of 10 Muskin mini bikes, which looks like what it looks uh, that looks like one of those uh, pedal bikes, but it looks like it might also have a motor to kind of go on its own. Uh, you could also win a Dune Cat, a little mini Dune buggy. It uh, looks like a video game system. I'm not sure if this is a, what kind of video games this was. It just says TV games, electronic games. This is before Atari. I don't know. You might have had Pong and maybe some. I don't even know if you had Space Invaders by this point. Or you could win a whole bunch of more model kits. So there you go. The next ad we have. Wow, that's way far. Is uh, one that has been seen a lot if you listen to the original version of Superman in the Bronze Age or 
actually any show from the covering comics from the golden silver or bronze age but it's, it's a game it's a buck 69 plus postage and it's just it's just those little small soldiers uh, and then you can reenact them as like we have two sets here we have one set that looks to be um knights at a castle and the other one looks to be reenacting the civil war because that's a happy thing all right our next ad is for treasury editions bigger and better in 74 this specific ad covers two of them uh one is a famous first edition which was a ginormous treasury sized reprint of action comics number one the other is limited collector's edition uh which is a reprints of several looks like six batman stories uh in this large print or large size now the cover has a neil adams image which is batman running i believe this comes from the five five deadly no five wow the joker's five-way revenge thank you uh but with the utility belt added to the artwork because i believe by this point he didn't have the utility belt on in the story uh, and they're each only a dollar a piece that's not bad or or wait a minute okay you can order it through this it's a dollar 50 because there's 50 cents for postage and handling and if you get both of them it'll cost you three bucks because they just put the prices there's no savings by putting them together but you get it in a special crush proof mailer shipped right to your door probably weeks after it shows up in on the newsstands if they did they put the treasuries on the newsstands i don't know anyway uh, our next ad is for karate jujitsu judo savate the total self-defense system and uh, your hands and feet will have super fantastic power and apparently you'll also get the girls our next ad page uh gets you new so on four inch patches each with up to seven vibrant colors and because i don't know if they had these in marvel comics but because this is a dc book uh the options are number one super dog which is actually crypto i don't know why they can't say crypto number two is the superman symbol not quite drawn right number three is superman in a flying pose number four is Superboy in a running pose number five is the joker number six is the Catwoman. looks like she's leaping down from somewhere number seven is robin in a running pose number eight is the penguin with his umbrella up and it looks like he's floating down or relaxing in a chair but they took out the chair i don't know number nine is a batman logo not the symbol the logo uh number 10 is the batman in a running pose number 11 is supergirl in a flying pose number 12 is wonder woman uh running but also twirling her magic lasso number 13 is batman and superman together on one extra large five inch patch which costs two dollars and now i can't tell about all the others but this definitely looks like teeny tiny versions of kurt swan art of classic bronze age not bronze age classic silver age but post new look era superman and batman number 14 is the riddler and number 17 is batman and robin together in their running poses from earlier which makes sense it's batman's pose from number 10 and uh, robin's pose from number seven together on one extra large five inch patch will cost you five bucks 
You can also join the Adapatch Superhero Club for two bucks. That means there were kids putting these patches all over their clothes. I like that idea. Uh, you can also get a scary life-size monster ghost that obeys your commands at over seven feet tall for only a dollar. Right. And then a horrifying glow-in-the-dark vampire bat for only one dollar. Ah, 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 ah. Actually, that's the count. He's not counting here. Then we have a two-page spread. Uh, this looks like Columbia House. Is that what this is? Oh, Record Club of America, where you can get six LPs or five tapes, cartridge or cassette, for just 99 cents with no obligation to buy anything ever. It's even got a brand new hit list, including the Jackson 5, Get It Together. Rod Stewart, sing it again, Rod. Marvin Gaye, let's get it on. Steely Dan with Countdown to Ecstasy. Dick Clark with 20 Years of Rock and Roll, which is two LPs and two or two tapes. Uh, let's see who else. The Osmonds with The Plan. Isaac Hayes live at the Sahara Tahoe. That's in Vegas. The Best of James Gang. The Fifth Dimension's Greatest Hits on Earth. Al Green with Call Me. And more. And then our next ad page. Uh, let's see. You could have a reward. Do you own these pennies? And there's one from 58, one from 55, and one from 1960. But apparently there's something special about them. And you would know that if you were a coin collector. So you can send money in and get these coins, I guess. Anyway, you learn how to spot them. Also... You can get learn how to spot de defective six cents six cent stamps and get a lot of money for them. So yeah, uh, it's also catalogs of the actual stamps and coins that are worth more than just regular face value. Uh, and the bottom half is three big drafting kits given to you, approved for GIs and veterans. So that what will which will help you get a high paying job in drafting, including like. Uh, you know, measuring tools, drawing tools, and a drafting table. Also helpful if at the time you just happen to be, you know, like a comic artist. The next is a full-page ad showing off the line of DC superstars, the biggest bargain in comics. You have an issue of Superman Family. and I cannot read the no issue numbers on any of these. Uh, but this one has, uh, let's see, Superman Family show. this is... Still in the 100-page era when it was one news story and several reprints, looks like. Um, and the Jimmy Olsen is the news story where he finds, looks like a suit of armor with a skeleton in it. And he tells Superman to take off because he can solve his own problems. Meanwhile, in the shadow, there is a man with a gun. Uh, there's Detective Comics uh, with the story about Ghost Mountain Midnight. And it looks like uh, Batman's in the swamp. And he's being chased by some huge monster. It looks like a Jim Aparo cover. Again, I can't tell because this is small and black and white. Uh, there's an issue of Young Love with a whole bunch of uh, different little stories. Uh, the House of Mystery with several different stories. These are 100-page giants. Uh, there's an issue of Wonder Woman, uh, which, involved, which has Superman on the cover. I don't know if he'd actually be in the story, but he's on the cover. Brave and the Bold. Uh, the main story is Superman teaming up with Mr. Miracle. 
Uh, there's a Tarzan issue, and then we're back to Young Lovely around in the circle again. So yeah, these are all the 100-page giants that cost you 60 cents. Our next page, full-page ad. Look, fellows. Yes, fellows. You can win your choice of neat prices free regularly, plus as much as $2 to $10 cash every week by selling grit. Right. Uh, then we have the line of DC superstars, as well as the statement of ownership uh, at the bottom here. Uh, the line of DC superstars shows you the regular 20 cents books, 20 cent books that are on sale. Uh, the Superman issue that we have just gone over is on this ad, as well as an issue of Sergeant Rock in Our Army at War. It looks like I'm not even going to try to read these numbers. Uh, there's also Weird War Tales, Commandy. Uh, still drawn, at least the cover, by Jack Kirby. And it's midnight, the witching hour. At the end of the story, uh, we have the letters page uh, with four letters printed. Uh, they're all talking about the Viking from Valhalla issue, which I don't remember off the top of my head. Uh, then we have the hodgepodge ad page with several different things. You can get handcuffs, rubber masks with hair, encyclopedia of world records, a stopwatch. A vib vibrating hand shocker thing, a pocket telescope, x-ray glasses, that kind of thing. Patches, more patches than pri earning prizes for cash. You know, that thing that they like to do on the inside front cover, trying to get you to cut up the back cover of your comic. And then the back cover is more grit. Oh, no, this is American Seed. Sorry, basically the same thing. And that is it for the issue. So... We are going to take a quick break before I go to uh, the feedback. And the song we were going we are going to listen to as we head out is the number one song for this week in January. It's called Show and Tell by Al Wilson. And I will be right back. episode and the future episode where they had a daughter of course millhouse is in game yes and lisa is so fulfilled in all of those in fact there's that christmas episode where she's so fulfilled by him that who is she calling nelson you know why because they are end game 
it's almost stupid to even discuss it. This show has been going on for like so long that there's so many different future scenarios. It's like it's been 30 years. Yeah, that's true. That reminds me of Stella on her podcast, Backgirl to Oracle. She's had a pretty healthy run. How long do you think it will last? <laughs> Forever. Ooh, let's give Stella a call. Hello? Hey, Stella. Why are you guys using Skype? Don't you want a feed time? No. Hmm. Don and I were just talking about BTO and how long it's lasted. Remember when we were kids, you didn't think it would go very far? What? What are you talking about? Stella, how long are you going to do this show? Meh. Ten episodes a year. Would you ever come first? Ha! You won't make it that long! You're a girl! Yeah! And girls have cooties! Gee, you guys really were supportive back then. We made up for it! By doing what? Mansplaining? And casplaining. Ugh. Well, anyway. 2020 is going to be a milestone. We've got the 10th anniversary in December, and of course the 200th episode after that. What are you planning on doing? Call-in show for listeners will be scheduled in December, and the 200th is going to feature some very special guest reviewers. Hopefully. Ooh, I'll be sure to free my calendar. Not you. You're, no. Fly on with Backroll to Oracle in 2020. Hey everyone, my name is Michael Bailey, and I like Superman. Like, a lot. Like, he's my favorite character. I like him so much that I have podcasted about the Man of Steel more than any other character. Back in 2017, I started a show called It All Comes Back to Superman, to serve as the monthly reaffirmation of my Kryptonian faith. Well, the monthly thing hasn't worked out, but I'm hoping to change that in 2020. This year, there will be at least one episode a month of the show, and most of those will be part of a series I'm calling Superman is for Everybody. Superman is for Everybody springs from my desire to talk to people that have channeled their love and affection for the character into other avenues, like cosplay, or podcasting, or academia. New episodes will drop in the first or second week of the month, with special episodes popping up at random because that's how I roll, apparently. It all comes back to Superman as part of the Fortress of BaileyTube podcasting network, which can be found at www.fortressofbaileytube.com. The show is available through Apple Podcasts, the Google Play Store, and it's even on Spotify. It all comes back to Superman. Because really, it does. Give me a few minutes and I'll make the connection. Why are you walking away? I'm not done talking to you yet. We now return to Charlie's Geekcast. All right, and we're back with some feedback. Yay! I know. So the cool thing about bringing back some Superman in the Bronze Age is that I have inadvertently, but thankfully, brought back my very good friend and Bronze Age fact checker, Russell Bragg. And he writes, Hello, Charlie! Well, hello! I think that's supposed to be from Hello, Dolly, uh, judging by what he wrote here. I don't know if I'm supposed to call him Lewis or uh, Russell, but anyway. It's so nice to have Bronze Age soups back where he belongs. 
I was so hoping Superman of the Bronze Age might come back someday. I may not be the most excited listener, but I am excited. Not sure how to take that, Russell. If you recall, you were the first podcaster I ever listened to, and Superman in the Bronze Age was my first podcast listening experience. I know it may only be for a little while, but I'm happy nonetheless. A big thank you from me. You're welcome. I am happy to say that I have both Action Comics 434 and 435 in my collection. I didn't get to look at them before listening, but I remember the storyline pretty well. I did a little research on the villains of these issues. Dr. Zadu conducted illegal experiments in suspended animation from which the patient could not return, as told in Adventure Comics 283. He was sentenced to 30 years in the Phantom Zone, which was cut short by a volcanic eruption on Earth that freed both himself and his wife, Endine Zeta. Why his wife was sentenced, I have no idea. Dr. Zadu was not a warrior and chose to hide his powers and masquerade as Superboy's foster father, Jonathan Kent, all in a ruse to find the secret location of the Phantom Zone projector. Caught in his own machinations, Zadu and Endine were rocketed to planet Exxon, not the oil company, around a distant red sun where they were trapped by the loss of their superpowers. All this was told in Superboy 100. I guess that Endine, I think it was Ernadine or something, was sentenced also because when revealing themselves to the reader, she mentions our crimes. They revealed themselves? Ew. When she reappears in Action Comics, somehow Zeta becomes Zeta. There's a... Okay, it's Z-E-D-A becomes just one word, Zeta. Hope this clears things up a little. As for the extra stories you may come across, I'm okay with you not covering. However, you could mention what it is. The two issues you presented this time, 434 had a Green Arrow story and 435 had The Atom. You were correct about the director's name being Josh. His last name was Coyle and was, he was always taking antacid tablets. I once again thank you for bringing back Superman in the Bronze Age. I hope it will be a treat for your vast listening audience, and not just me. Russell Bragg, Clarksburg, West Virginia. Well, I, th- I think you're... I don't think vast means the same thing in real life as you think it means, Russell. Um, <laughs> let's just say we're not vast here at the GeekCast. But we're getting better. In any event, uh, thank you very much for bringing us up to date and for writing in. Uh, yes, there was a backup. There were backup features of both issues, and I did mention I wasn't going to cover them. But I, I, you bring up a good point. I could have at least mentioned what they were. Uh, fortunately, this issue uh, from today's episode was the Superman issue. Uh, there was no backup, so we're good there. But that's all I got for you today. So next time out, we will be watching. Three episodes of three different, let me reword this, one episode of three different Superman TV shows. One episode of The Adventures of Superman, one episode of The Adventures of Superboy, and Lois and Clark, The New Adventures of Superman. All three episodes are basically different takes on the same story. Superman versus an asteroid or a meteor, depending on which word you want to use. So we're going to do that next time, and you all have a great couple of weeks. Talk to you later. Thank you for listening to Charlie's GeekCast. Feedback for the show can be sent to charliesgeekcast at gmail.com, or you can feel free to leave a comment at the show's posting at charliesgeekcast.com. All images and music heard on the show are copyright their respective copyright holders and are used for entertainment purposes only. No infringement is intended. 
Charlie's Geekcast is a proud member of the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Network. Please be sure to stop by Two True Freaks to check out more great shows. Thank you again for listening, and good night. Good night.